and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. Um, and we're going to be talking today um, about account-based marketing. And I'm really delighted to welcome uh, Kate Owen to join us today as our guest. And we're going to be uh, quizzing her about all aspects of account-based marketing and uh, and um, how that works at Capita. So really excited to talk to her about her experiences. She's uh, got done some amazing stuff in ABM. The reason we're talking before, so Kate, welcome. Great you, Great you could be here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a busy time for you, I gather. It's always a busy time at the moment, I suppose. It is indeed. Um, it's an exciting time, though, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, lots of lots of opportunity at the moment as a as a marketeer. I think. And I'm I'm doubly grateful to you because, as well as agreeing to take the time for me to ask you some questions about your life and your work, that sounds very very pompous, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm also you also agreed to take time out to speak at the B2B Marketing ABM conference, which is coming up in November. It's happening on the fourth and fifth of November. Really, you're, you spoke last year. You did a great session with your one of your sales directors, which was fantastic. Really, a great bit of dialogue between the two of you. And you'll be talking again this year. So, um, I'm going to ask you a little bit later on what you're talking about. But if you're interested in the in the conference, you know, if you're interested in ABM, you need to be there. It's virtual this year over two days, the fourth and fifth of November. We've got some fantastic speakers from across the ABM industry, and you can find a bit more about it if you go to bit.ly slash B2BABM2020, or just search for B2B Marketing ABM Conference. I'm sure it'll come up very quickly. Right. Anyway, enough of the plug. Um, so, Kate, thank you. Back to you. Um, it's all about you today. Um, tell us a bit about, let's go back to right back to the beginning. Tell us about your background. When did you become a marketer? And was it something you always wanted to do? Or was it kind of something you stumbled into by accident? Yeah, it was probably a bit of a mix for me, really. So I actually initially started in the PR industry probably over 20 years ago now. So actually working as a as an office assistant initially on film releases, big film events. Um, I moved from that role into an EA role, actually supporting C-suite and board, um, which which kind of ended up morphing into marketing and event support um, because back then we didn't actually have a PR or marketing team. But I think definitely working um, for the C-suite back then so early on in my professional career and helping to look at events, annual reports, um, shareholder announcements and internal comms, I think really gave me that great and rich exposure to the boardroom um, and different persona types as well with a with a real early insight into comms, I suppose, and marketing more generally. So seeking a career where I could probably expand that and grow that probably became a goal back then in my early 20s. And then from there, moved on to working for organisations such as Starbucks, um, around consumer campaigns, the UK press office, and then joined uh, Thomson Reuters and was there for about seven years. Initially niche focus, I suppose, from a from an event perspective, but then moved very much into a broader European marketing manager role, moving up and being promoted to lead the European campaign team across all of financial services as an industry. Um, moving into a global role. And then prior to Capita, after Thomson Reuters working at the NHS, uh, where I set up and transformed a completely new marketing function alongside internal comms, press and public affairs. So I've, I feel really fortunate that I've been able to work across B2C, B2B and cross industry in both marketing and PR. And actually what I think, um, what I think has been great is that 
I've worked through the different roles across marketing, right from that junior level up to where I am now as a, as a director. And so I feel that I really understand on a day-to-day basis what my own teams experience um, daily. It's very interesting background. I wasn't aware of that. And there's no real, you know, there's no typical B2B marketing background. But um, I think coming from um, uh, having experience of B2C, but also having experience in, um, in in PR is quite interesting. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily, kind of PR can, can be a bit on the fluffy end of marketing, whereas ABM can be at the very technical end of marketing. So that's quite interesting. You've got, you've got quite a big spectrum. Yeah, that's true. I think that the PR element that I really enjoy is the, is the ability, I suppose, to be able to communicate to all different levels of people within a company. And so I think that's probably for me where it does start to, to spawn into that world of ABM and thinking about how you tailor your and personalise your communication style depending on who you're speaking to at an individual level, but also on, a, on an account basis as well. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. There's a there's you know amazing what you learn from unexpected <laughs> places that you can yeah. transfer over. Um, so so then tell me about it. So so that's your kind of background. That's that's your, the journey you've been on, um, and you're now kind of you know a, a kind of senior marketer working in ABM specific ABM capacity. Um, what is it that ignites? Why have you stayed in marketing? What is it? You had lots of directions you could have gone in for the sound of things. Um, what ignites your passion about it? Why have you stayed in the industry and grown with it? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's one that um, my nine-year-old actually quizzes on, quizzes me on quite constantly in terms of what is marketing and what do you do, mummy, on a, on a day-to-day basis. And I think that she it's interesting because her perception is that marketing is advertising and the big stuff that you see on TV where she's so young. But I suppose in a way, what's kept me is exactly that element of creativity And so I think um, marketing is one of the most creative industries out there. And so I think if you think about the fact that our messages need to be constantly refreshed, they need to be transformed, you've got to really cut through this noise of competing messages because we're all doing it. We're all trying to reach sometimes the same personas, the same companies. And so for me, I think that ability to continually be working at those new ways of approaching problems, thinking outside the square. I think that there's not many jobs out there that probably do hinge on that creativity and innovation the way that marketing does. And I think the most powerful piece of that for me actually is when it all comes together. So if I think about, you know, when you have that idea as a team and you've got the glints in your team's eyes or the fire in your belly and you see people getting animated about discussing it, I think that alongside when you see your campaigns getting great traction externally, getting good client feedback, I think that's when you know that you're onto something amazing. And for me personally, it's those initiatives that keep me in marketing and wanting to seek out that next big idea. Yeah, that's lovely. That's really, really nice. I, I completely, I completely buy into that. As a journalist, you kind of when you're doing something, when you're doing an issue or a project that everyone really buys into, there's that. It's definitely it's the kind of the the, the you know the, the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts kind of thing. And enthusiasm is about it's great. And I love your point around your daughter asked about my, my dad was in direct marketing in the 80s and I think it was until I was about 18 so I actually understood what it was he actually did but um we used to talk about adverts quite a lot that was fun um so 
Um, so, so, so moving on, you talked a bit about your journey into ABM, um, and you talked about when you started doing. You start. You, did you start it at Thomson Reuters? Is that right? Or yeah, yeah. So started first started doing it probably about six years ago. So, and it was probably relatively new back then, wasn't it? And just really becoming this big kind of buzzword of, across marketing. I think at at Thomson Reuters, ABM was a really um, untested marketing strategy at the time. And so for us, it was definitely about um, back then, if I think back, getting everyone um, on the same page, I suppose, was key to to the success. And I would say, being honest, we had varying degrees of where it worked well in some of those pilots and less so in others. I think this notion of... um, kind of this collaboration up front, which is why I feel really, um, really excited about the sales and marketing alignment of the ABM conference, for example, is because I think it's crucial. I think Mm. that same cultural mindset about why we're all doing what we're doing is at the heart of any good ABM strategy. And so that was definitely a tip I took back from those initial pilots back then. And then over the years since then, even at the NHS, um, when I joined there, we had a form of ABM. It was called um, relationship management, but it was very much based around the same principles of ABM and key account partners. And then obviously at Capita, recently joined this year to set up the function. So the last three roles I've had, there's been elements of ABM as kind of key marketing strategies that have been set up. So as you said just now, um, ABM has been a hot trend for about five years now. So has that been part of the appeal? You know, you've you found something, you're clearly very passionate about it and you've kind of stuck with it and you're, you're kind of on a, you've gone on maybe a B2B marketing journey. Now you're kind of on an ABM journey. Is that, am I, am I reading too much into this? So I, I probably think if I go back to what we said at the start around this blend of marketing and comms, I I definitely am an avid believer in bringing those two two kind of skill sets together with the customer at the centre. And so for me, what I love about ABM is that it's about the customer first and foremost, but it's about the creativity and the communication that surrounds it. And so I think, you know, we've all seen stats that are out there around, you know, McKinsey talks about personalisation, reducing acquisition costs how ABM lifts revenues across accounts. You know, um, I've seen recent stats that uh, B2B marketing have been doing themselves in your reports around the importance of it and how we see that firms adopting these ABM strategies see an even greater return. So I think that if you look at all of that together, especially now more than ever with the recent pandemic, I think our customers expect bespoke communications that are relevant to them on an individual level in a human way um, that helps them with the challenges that they're all facing. And so for me, that's definitely always been the appeal and how we how we can design our marketing strategies to, as I said, cut through that noise and be differentiated and connect with the customers in a really real and authentic way. And, and that's probably why I love the concept of ABM so much in what in what we do. So, I mean, I was kind of reading part into what you're saying. It's almost it's not even an option today, given the dynamics of marketing where it is right now. It's, it's gone from being a strategy you may choose to accept, but it just feels more and more like buyers expect this level of insight and personalization and engagement if they're not they're not going to get that they're not really going to be going to respond 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I think there's lots of debate out there at the moment about, you know, account-based marketing, account-based experiences, and and I just I do think that that will become the new the new normal. I mean, that is the word of the word of 2020, isn't it? But you know, what marketing is as a strategy, and so definitely for us at Capita moving into into 21 I think our sole focus from a strategic perspective is definitely going to be growth at existing accounts leveraging ABM at the heart of that it sounds very very sensible very logical so on that subject then tell us a little bit about your kind of ABM challenges now you know you said earlier on that you haven't been how long was it you joined Capita and tell us a bit yeah. about program that's running now and how it built yeah so I joined I joined Capita in September last year but actually the first task was probably to define what ABM was for Capita during those first few months and the benefits I suppose it could bring into the organization wasn't something that they'd done before at scale or in a in a structured way and so very much setting up a new team. So I think for me, the first few months were definitely around really understanding Capita as an organisation, its sense of purpose and how ABM, how ABM could manifest for Capita to make it relevant for Capita. The second task was obviously recruiting into the, into the group. Um, I went about that kind of twofold in the sense that I definitely wanted to bring in people that had experimented in account-based marketing before. But for me, it was also about bringing in people that had industry expertise because Capita as an organisation works across multiple industries, private and public sector. So it was definitely about bringing and growing and creating a team that could bring ABM into it, but also this industry mindset as well. So, so for us, that was very much the first kind of six months. And then from March onwards, I, I mean, we have ramped up at scale, I would say, in terms of piloting quite a few big accounts simultaneously. I think for us, from a challenge perspective, our, our challenge is probably our biggest opportunity. So it's been really easy to get the organisation actually to see the value ABM can bring. I think sales teams obviously love the direct support they get. The customers are really responding to the fact that we can surround them with this real in-depth understanding of their challenges. And in a really short space of time, I think we've been able to really mobilise around that as a team got some great kind of compelling case studies we've done we've done some really unique c-suite engagement programs i think for us the the challenge can sometimes be the success in that it's obviously then only a matter of time before people start asking for more adding more accounts in um, we're already having conversations for example around how we can use abm and deal-based marketing methodologies to actually originate um, new growth into the organization so I'm definitely seeing that over the last couple of months yeah so the moral of the story kids is don't be too successful <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see <laughs> um that's really great insights there and, and I think we're going to come back and talk a little bit about recruitment later on about how it takes to be a great ABM because I think it's it feels like to me like a subset of b2b marketing generally but just talking about setting stuff up from the top I mean obviously you're you know 
I know you're, and you're, you've got a fantastic CMO, haven't you, there at Capita? So you've got great support from her. And, and I'm sure that that was no small reason why you took the job in the first place. And that's no small yeah. reason why you can you know, build momentum like this. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that um, I think what's been really powerful, actually, is that C-suite understanding and engagement here at Capita, actually, of the ABM program. So if I, you know, for me, obviously, I mentioned the sales and marketing alignment, but I really feel at Capita, it's a whole company alignment around ABM, actually, which I think is really, really um, powerful. I think um, one of the tangible examples I can probably give of that is, We've recently launched an exec board steering group here that focuses purely on account management and marketing has a seat at that table. So it's a board level discussion. It's the importance of accounts around our customers. And so, you know, having that seat at that table and really representing marketing as a voice from a strategic perspective, I think um, I think just shows the merit and power that um the board and c-suite and as you say our cmo and chief growth officer really put behind abm as a strategy okay and and that's you've kind of and that, that's great testimony and i think you've actually kind of answered a couple of the questions i had coming up here around which is which is wonderful um you know around expectations to the future and how it's going to come more prominent it does feel like you know you're really committed to this it's this is not this is not a, a fly-by-night experiment that you might switch off next week it's it's absolutely a core business strategy and a core business function i guess that's inherent in the in the, in the nature of capitalist business though isn't it you know you're the, the size of the contracts and companies that you're going for probably lends itself possibly more than other organizations is that fair I think so. I think it's also it's also an interesting point when you start to think about this divergence between marketing and sales, actually, isn't it? More generally in the sense that, you know, do do marketers take targets, for example, and do they speak in the same language as a salesperson and vice versa? And so I'm definitely really interested to see how that expands over the next couple of years. I think we're we're seeing more roles around chief customer officers, chief growth officers that really bring sales and marketing together as one. And so for me, I, I mean, I'm really excited to see how that does transcend. I'm probably definitely a bit of a salesperson at heart as well. And <laughs> for me, I love the fact about taking on a target and originating and kind of hunting, hunting that down. So I, I can't wait to see how bringing the ABM um the ABM strategy into that mix and, and and what success could look like in that space could bring as well. Yeah, that's very exciting. And I can tell that about you. You're definitely, you've got that, I think you've got a competitive streak. Okay? I, I do. And I, I'm sure that, uh, yeah, the CMO that uh, I work for at Capita would, uh, would hold testament to that as well. So both Bev Burgess and Malcolm McDonald, Professor Malcolm McDonald, say kind of the same thing, which is that ABM is basically just good marketing. You know, Malcolm McDonald says we should have been doing ABM um, 40 years ago, but we, we lost sight of it. Um, so, you know, so do you see, and I think you've you alluded to this just now, do you see a time when ABM will actually just take over the whole of B2B generally, B2B marketing generally, um, or when we won't see it as something different and unique? It's just part of the mix, you know. Is it, what do you think about that? So, uh, so I do agree with that. I mean, for me, I, I love this relationship building aspect of, of ABM and understanding the customer mapped to what they actually need. So for me, it's more of a mindset and an, and an approach, I, I suppose, that 
whether that's called ABM, demand gen, cross and upsell, I, I feel like as a as a as an approach and a way forward, that should be at the core of every marketing strategy. Yeah. I think if I'm being honest, when I when I first started really delving into ABM those years ago, you know, these three different types of ABM practices around one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, I think, you know, and some people um, might think it's a bit controversial, but I, I always kind of questioned that one-to-many tranche of ABM and never really understood why it was called out separately because, for me, I think the methodologies of ABM should be used whether you're an elite customer in the top 10, a new customer completely, or a recently onboarded customer that actually doesn't yet warrant being in the top 10 because of the the rules around how you select your accounts. And so for me, I think it's about marketing to them in a way that gives them a great customer experience across their full buying journey. And so for me, I think you can only really do that if your mindset is to do that collectively rather than just to think about it at a singular ABM approach that is just for your top 10. I like that. I really like that because it's very easy in marketing to talk about kind of techniques and programs and putting things in boxes and building kind of templated stuff. And yeah, that's all great. But actually the core of it is a philosophy, you know, and it's a a mindset and a, a way of operating, a way of thinking. And if you don't have that, well, you know, you can build all the technical stuff you like, but it's not going to work. Yeah, I so, completely agree. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So I think it's technically illegal for us to run a podcast in 2020 and to not talk about COVID. It's kind of, it's it's in everything, isn't it? It's, it's the elephant in the room that you can see, not the one that you can't pretending isn't there. Um, is, has COVID changed the way you think about ABM or the way that you practiced ABM? Or has it um, been just been business as usual for you? So for, so for me, I, I, there's lots of terms that have come out, isn't there, as a result of COVID. But one that I've seen um, most recently that I really like is a term that's um, a term that's phrased as pervasively disruptive. And so the reason that I really love that is because I think that if you think about COVID, it, it, is, it isn't just changing industries, marketing, ABM. I think it's dramatically changed the way that we're all living and working. It's affected every element of life, hasn't it? I mean, you know, Sainsbury's, grocery suppliers all disrupted, schools shut down, people that who could work from home were ordered to do so. And I think industries across the board, we're definitely seeing this at Capita. We're definitely seeing how COVID has accelerated Um, that digital transformation and so for me I think 2021 as a year is going to be a massive year where we all look at things and kind of do a bit of a strategic view uh, professionally and personally right around you know what are our longer term visions and how are our views being impacted and changed as a result and so if I then layer that back into thinking of this from a from an ABM lens I think Thinking about this term of disruption um, probably more broadly, I mean, ABM as a strategy is even better placed, surely, to to help ensure that these marketing strategies are born out of relevancy, out of authenticity and, and I think agility. I mean, I think agility is going to be a huge word over the next 12 months because disruption for me, I think, is going to become 
commonplace. I mean, look at the world in which we live in now with lockdowns one week, lockdowns not. So I think this coming to terms with disruption and thinking how as a marketeer, ABM as a strategy can help navigate that, I think will set us up really strongly going into next year. I think you're right. Um, I think it's interesting the disruption becomes a constant. So actually, the, the, what becomes unusual is the constant. You know, we're, if we ever have time for anything to become constant or, or, or continuous or expected, that will be a big surprise for the, for the physical future. Um, now, that's that's very interesting. But what about um, just, you know, I, we've had lots of, um, we do regular B2B leaders virtual roundtables. We had one this morning, actually. Uh, one, of the, the, one of the ones that's been quite interesting is talking about sales enablement, and particularly talking about how the sales team have responded or had to change what they do in response to COVID because they physically cannot get in front of their customers anymore. You know, and and you know, events have been have, have all gone digital, um, as, as was our ABM conference. Um, and there's pluses and minuses to that, but I think most people would rather be in a room if we could be. So has that, you know, it, it, that kind of, that kind of high touch stuff um, around events and things, has that impacted on and meetings as well? Has that impacted on, on what you do and have you had to work differently with sales to enable that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think this concept of of digital selling, I think, is is huge, and the way in which a salesperson is is going to have to change their approaches, I think, um, has been accelerated. My observation would be that I actually think this is where marketing can step in as a real partner to sales, actually, by suggesting kind of different ideas and innovations to reach the customers in different ways. And so I think channels will always be the channels where there'll always be events, whether they're virtual or in person. You'll always have email. You'll always have social media. But for me, it probably stems back to to that piece I mentioned earlier around that kernel of an idea and galvanizing people around something that feels real and makes them want to be part of it. So I think that's where, for me, marketing is going to have a huge role to play in equipping sales with something that's different, something that's unique that they can take out to market that doesn't really matter what channel it then manifests itself on it's just there and they want to be part of it yeah and 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 that and i completely agree with that and that tallies with the observations at a round table we had a few few weeks ago and it feels like it's actually quite a fundamental shift in the relationship between marketing and sales because before it was often you had salespeople i need more of those (laughs) and, and marketing okay we'll do more of those for you whereas now it's i don't know what i need help me I'm definitely seeing that. You know, they want to they want to use our insights. They want to, you know, understand how we can use our tech stacks, for example, to show how data is presenting to us what customers are engaging with, what are they actually reading, what what are they interested in, what should the salespeople be talking to their um, key decision makers at accounts about. So I completely agree. I think marketing has never been um, at the forefront of being a strategic advisor and has a real opportunity um, to further build on that. Hallelujah. I think that's how we... <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay so that's really really helpful so we're going to kind of start drawing to a close we've got some questions which are drawing leading us towards an end here and a lot of our data we've done uh, this is our the fifth year i think we've done this conference so we were a little bit behind you and you were on the bandwagon ABM before we were um it's the fifth year we've done our conference it's been always been really successful for us and really 
obviously really feel like we're serving our community's needs by doing it. But our data around the survey that we do every year shows that still most people who respond to that survey are quite early in their ABM journey. So what do you what would you say to somebody right now who um, was kind of at that early stage, either just starting or just thinking about starting? What advice would you give them to kind of, you know, help them be as successful as possible as quickly as possible? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think for me, definitely this idea around creating a contract with sales, I think um, it's definitely something at Capita. We created what we called our ABM playbook, for example, which was almost our operating manual, I suppose, that was really clear around what are the shared targets across um, marketing and sales. And I say shared because it absolutely has to be shared. Um, you know, shared attribution, shared ownership around the stakeholder engagement. And I think clearly spelling out the roles and responsibilities of everyone that's involved. For me, that is definitely if people are on that early stage of their journey, um, my number one tip. And then I think data and using figures and metrics to show them what good looks like so that everyone's on that same page as you start developing your programs. I think it's key because it takes all of the subjectivity out of what you're then designing for the future. Yeah, and that sounds it sounds incredibly wise words. I mean, you've got to get your set your stall up right, build your foundations right. Otherwise, you know, you're going to just store up problems for the future. So. Um, yeah, completely bind to that. Very, very wise words. So, and here's the opposite end of the spectrum. I ask you, I'm, I'm going to ask you for what? So, what? What in what? In one word, but I'm going to, are you obviously the opportunity to, to justify afterwards? But in one word, what would you? What's what's the key to being a great ABMer? For me, I think um, definitely this area around being curious. So, if you think of what I've said at the start about being creative and having this communication. Um, communication skill set. I think that being a good ABMer is someone who is curious enough to constantly be asking different questions and really putting yourselves in the shoes of the of the customer. I mean, we are all consumers in our everyday lives. And so for me, I think that if you aren't asking the right questions of your marketing strategies around whether you as an individual would even engage with what you're suggesting, then what your design isn't going to be fit for purpose. So I think, yeah, probably this area of curiosity for me. I think that's a great answer. And I think it, it plays to your point around this is this ABM allows marketers to do what they should be doing best, which is understanding what the customers actually want and really thinking about them and putting themselves in their shoes. So I think that's fantastic. So thank you. Sorry it was difficult, but, you know, it's my job to ask a <laughs> question. Um, well, I, I suppose it's difficult because an ABMer has so many amazing qualities. Maybe that's the other way to look at it as well. I, think, I, I hope that goes without saying, but that's <laughs> definitely true too. Um, so, so it's been great speaking to you. Just before we before we go, could you tell us your your so as we teased earlier on, you're speaking at our, our fifth annual B two ABM B two B marketing ABM conference on the fourth of fifth of November. Although I think you're joining anyway um so tell us a little bit more about what you're going to talk about there presumably it's going to touch on some of the things we just talked about just now yeah definitely i'm i'm really lucky actually that i'm i'm actually involved in two sessions so one of them uh we're definitely going to show some type of case study so for for the people out there that are early on in that journey of abm 
one of the things that I was really keen to share with a member of my team is a real tangible case study of one of our first ABM pilots, how we approached it, um, examples of the types of research we, we undertook, the content, the assets that we then designed to align. So hopefully that will give some of the attendees some really great tips on what they too can kind of start considering as they're implementing at the start of their pilots. We're also going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff I touched upon around how quickly ABM can evolve and how you can or should start to consider kind of scaling at pace when those questions do come in about um, leveraging ABM for wider origination. And then the second piece that I'm really excited to be talking about is around C-suite and how we've used ABM at Capita to probably from more of a societal angle and a purpose-driven angle to create better relationships at boardroom level. And so, again, that's a bit of a case study on on how you can use some of the ABM techniques to authentically reach people in a different way. I can't wait. Um, So obviously, I hope as many of you as possible sign up for the conference and, and I'd love to see you at both of those sessions. And we hope you can. And, and the purpose one's fantastic. That's such a now thing as well. It's so it's another thing that's been COVID's obviously brought some horrible things, but that's a really good thing it's brought back into focus. So so like I say, if you can so for the conference, um you can find it at bit.ly slash b2b abm 2020 or just search for b2b marketing conference um there there are free tickets available but if for if you purchase a ticket it's a very uh, cost effective price this year given it's digital event you get access to all the recordings afterwards as well so if you want to um see kate again because obviously you'll see both the sessions but you want to see her her more times than that and show some of your colleagues not that I, i didn't say you can do that you can do that if you buy the um paid for tickets so i very much hope you can join us kate it's been fantastic speaking to you today i'm really grateful for your time oh thank you for having me i've loved it and um i'm really looking forward to the event me too i'm really excited about your session thanks for joining us thanks again for your time in advance and i'm looking forward to seeing you on the 4th and 5th of november thank you very much for listening this has been a b2b marketing podcast i hope you can join us again for another one very very soon